I am uh, going to be starting this new year off with a, a new series that we're going to be, be looking at uh, called Answer the Call. And, uh, you know, the Bible is filled with examples of God calling out to, to individuals, calling out to, to groups of, of people. Uh, those times of calling that are pictured in the Bible are uh, often life-changing events. They're major events in the, those lives. Many of them were major events in the nation of Israel among the, the people of God. You know, as we just went through this Christmas season, we saw God calling uh, people there. We saw through the angels, uh, God calling out to Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, God calling out to Mary, God calling out to, to Joseph and their response, God calling out to the shepherds and then they came and, and worshiped Jesus there. We've got numerous examples throughout scripture. You've got the call to Moses uh, there with the, the burning bush uh, event and how he had, had gone to escape Egypt and God called not only him, uh, but called the, through him called the whole nation uh, to, to come and to follow him uh, to the, the promised land. And so oftentimes when we think about that and we think about answer the call, we're th we automatically go to those major calls in our life. And the Bible does address those major calls. There's the call to salvation. And I hope that everyone here, I hope that you've responded to that call, that God has called you and, and shown you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you responded to that call by trusting in Jesus and putting your faith in Him and allowing Him to be your Lord and Savior. There's the call to discipleship, the call to, uh, God gave those disciples the call to follow Him, and it gives us that same call as well. There's even a call to missions that I hope you're open to, uh, to go where Wherever God calls you to go, if you're living here in the Florence area, if you're living here in Lauderdale County or Colbert County or wherever the case may be, I hope you're there because God's called you to that mission field and you understand that calling upon your life. And there's a calling to share our faith. There are those major calls uh, that are throughout Scripture, and that's what we often think of. But there's not only those calls, but there's, there's more, I don't want to say less major, but more personal calls that God has for us as well. Matter of fact, over in the book of uh, Ephesians, this is not where I'm preaching. Uh, I'm going to take you there in, in just a moment. But in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 17, Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. Says that, uh, that our, uh, he talks about praying for them, and he says that our, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Notice this, he says, and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance of the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? We're just singing about that. And here we're talking about something that is even more personal, that there is a personal calls that God has upon each one of our lives that are, are true to our present experience of what we're going through. And in the midst of whatever you're going through, I want you to know God is calling out to you calling you to himself. See, God is constantly calling. That's, that's in his nature. And that's what we're going to be looking at when we, we, we talk about answering the call, that this is God's nature 
to call out to us, to call us to himself. Every time you open the word of God, you're not just reading a book, you're hearing the call of God. And not only that, but as you read the word of God, you're going to see a God who calls over and over, calls this one and that one, calls this one at this time, calls the same one again at this time. He, and you see it all throughout Scripture. You'll, you see it over and over again. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, our God is a calling God. This morning we're going to look at one of the lesser known calls of God when the calling of God is preached on. This is not one that I've heard preached on a lot in this passage, but it is a, a personal call to us. And it's really where I want us to start because if we don't get this call down, then what, however we respond to the other calls, it's going, to be, it's going to be skewed if we don't get this one down. Isaiah chapter 1 is where we're going to be looking this morning. And this is a call that God had through the prophet Isaiah to the people in Israel, to the people of Judah, the northern tribes during his time here. So Isaiah chapter 1 and the Old Testament. And we're going to look this morning at God's calling to all rebels. All rebels. I'm not talking about the Ole Miss rebels. They got whooped up on last night. Uh, <laughs> but I'm talking about to us, us rebels. Us rebels. And I'm so thankful that God has a calling for us rebels. He calls out to the rebels. So Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at a lot of verses. I'm not going to preach on all these verses, but I just want to get you the full flavor of this call that all of this is leading up to. In Isaiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, <clears throat> where it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And here we go. Now this is the Lord speaking, okay, through Isaiah, his prophet. Verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the feet even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, unless the Lord of hosts had left 
to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. By the way, in your daily Bible readings, you're going to be reading about that pretty soon in the book of Genesis. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my cords, bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Because your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Here comes the calling. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Here it comes. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What a calling. What an opportunity. What a privilege. What an act of grace. You see, when Isaiah comes on the scene, there are tough times in the nation of Judah. There are threats everywhere around them. The nations around them are all threatening to to take over Judah, to, to, to seize power there. They're living in a very immoral society, even though they're God's people. Immorality is, is running rampant there. They're in this culture of, of greed where everyone is, is only thinking about themselves and what benefits them and what will get them ahead. Sound familiar? <laughs> that, that, that's the society of what is going on when Isaiah comes. And then in the midst of this, God called Isaiah and God spoke through Isaiah and called out to his people. These callings that God has in scripture, the callings we're going to be, be looking at over the next several weeks, there's some, some things that are, are true about his calling, true with this calling and true with these other callings as well. Number one, when God calls, his calling is centered in reality. God doesn't deal with phoniness. God doesn't pretend like things are not as they are. When God calls, he calls in the midst of reality. Oftentimes, we we try to play games with God. We try to pretend like things are there. God knows what's going on. And when God calls, God calls because he sees the reality of what's going on in our hearts, of what's going on in our lives, of what's going on in the world. God deals with truth. And so every that's why we don't, we don't have to figure out his calling. We just need to listen to his calling because God's going to speak in reality. God's going to speak truth to what's really going on. Not what we present as going on, but what's really going on underneath the pretending. 
So his calling is centered in reality. Secondly, every time God calls, listen, his calling gives hope. These first several verses, first really first 17 verses I read there are, present a, a grim reality, but then out of that reality, God brings hope. God brings grace. God brings mercy. God provides real solution to real problems. Not just making the situation change, but making the heart change and gives real solutions to real problems. He gives hope. And then thirdly, when God calls, the, every one of his calling, it is a calling to change. And by calling to change, I'm not just talking about trying something different. You know, when we think about change, oftentimes that's what we think. Well, I'll just try something different. No, I'm talking about a change of heart that only God can do. Not, not necessarily a change of circumstances, but an internal change. When God calls and when he moves, even in grace and mercy, and all of his callings are come from a heart of grace and mercy, that grace and mercy ought to lead us to change deep down in our hearts. As a response to that. And so knowing that, in the midst of a very real situation, God calls out to the rebels because I hope you understand this. First main point is that rebels are everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere in our city. They're everywhere in our county. They're everywhere in our nation. And I hope you won't get offended. They're everywhere in this room. Rebels are everywhere. I told you God's calling is always centered in reality. Here he gets in Isaiah chapter 1, he gets to the reality of the problem. The problem is not out there. The problem is not what is going around us. The problem is what is within us. And rebels are everywhere. Let's, let's look at the rebels. First of all, I want you to see that the, the, the nature of a rebel in verse, back in verses 2 and 3 here, we see this, this, this given here, this nature of a, of, of a rebel. As he says, Hear, O heavens, and give, earth, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Here it comes. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner. The donkey knows its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. And so what, what is he saying? He's talking about rebellion. There in verse 2, he says, they've rebelled against me. To rebel means a deliberate defiance of known authority. And we may pretend like we don't know, but really we do know the things that we do that don't honor God, the things that we do that are based within our, our, our own desires, our own wants. And what happens is this rebellion becomes such a way of life that we even deceive ourselves into thinking that we're okay. You, you understand this. This is not just preacher talking. This is reality. God deserves all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, all the surrender, all the obedience. He deserves every bit of that. But what does he get? He gets disrespect. And the rebels disrespect the love of the Father. God has shown us nothing but love and mercy. Verse 2, he says, and especially with the people of Judah, he says, I, Judah, he says, I have nourished and brought up children. 
and they've rebelled against me. Think of all that God has done for them and leading them out of the bondage of Egypt and even calling them and, and saying, you are my chosen nation and, and leading them out of that and, and leading them into the promised land and the victories that have been won. And even though they, he wanted to be their king and they rejected him and said, give us a human king, he still gave Judah some, some good kings that were, were there. Some of them that are there in the time of, of Isaiah. And, and also you go back to David and Solomon and how he's blessed that nation and all the things that he has, has done. And yet the loving father has nourished them and taken and care of them and protected them and they've turned their back on him. Even, you know, we think about those that are lost and how they, they, they refuse to, they give God the respect that he deserves and, and after all, he's given us the reason we're even here, the reason we have life, the reason we're walking on the face of this earth is that there's a God in heaven who created us and put us here for a relationship with him and yet we ignore that relationship. And in so doing, we're disrespecting the love of a father. And we're disrespecting the authority of the absolute master. That's who he is. There is no God but the God of this Bible. There is no other God. He created this earth. He created us. He made us. And here he says in verse 3, he says, The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel, my chosen people, they won't even consider me as master. What he's saying is that the ox and the donkey are smarter than them. And the ox and the donkey can be smarter than us. I mean, that's what he deserves. You know, I, I read, uh, saw... My news feed, uh, uh, I don't remember, it was a while back and stuff, and I, matter of fact, I remember this and went back to it. About a year ago, there was, an, in Plymouth, Massachusetts, there was this canine officer, and, uh, and the officer had this dog that he had trained and stuff, and they'd gotten uh, some type of, of uh, notice that this suspect had, I don't know if he was guilty of robbing something or something, but he was, had fled on foot, and the canine officer, as long, well as others, responded to the call, and they got to the situation, and something went wrong. And the canine attacked his handler, and viciously attacked the handler even to the point that he would not release him. And it was beginning to be a life-threatening situation. And the other officers that were there had to, had to shoot the dog. It was tragic. But how, you know, a, a dog that is trained to do so much can turn, how tragic, that, how more tragic is it for us and the God of the universe and we turn on him and we disrespect him, and we dishonor him, and we disobey him. God has blessed us. God has provided for us. You see, we're, we're rebels at heart. It's the nature of a rebel. Notice the description of a rebel. He, he goes into detail there in, in verse 4. He uses different words to describe them. He says, alas, O sinful nation, we are full of sin. Sin is missing the mark, and we miss that mark on purpose. We make plans to rebel. We make plans to disobey God. We, we, we 
do these things that we know that God is not honored with and we pretend like we're not doing it. We pretend like we're okay with God. We need to stop pretending. We're sinful. We're full of sin. He says we're laden with iniquity. The word laden means to be weighed down. We have a load of rebellion that is upon us. Not that others have put upon us, but that we've embraced ourselves. And then he goes on and says that we are born in evil. He says we are a brood of evildoers. Children who are corruptors. We are born in evil. We're not born good people. Don't believe the lie. We, we are not good people. The Bible makes it very clear that we are not. That word brood is the idea of a, of a hen's nest and all her little chicks. And he says here that we're a brood of evildoers. I've heard people say that, yeah, we're good people. We're just good people that do bad things. Well, what do bad people do? Sounds like we do the same things that bad people do. Why? Because we are bad people. We're rebels at heart. And listen, every sin that we embrace, even if it's something as, as, as we would say minor as not picking up our Bible today and reading it, not meeting with God today in prayer. Oh, what a minor thing. The God of the universe has redeemed us and saved us and wants a relationship with him. And we say, no, thank you. I've got more important things to do. That's our heart. Every sin we do disrespects the Father and disrespects the Son and His sacrifice for us because every sin we commit, Jesus went to the cross for. Notice the actions of a rebel. He not only says we, we are these things, but he goes on and talks about how we are corrupting. We're children who are corruptors. That word corrupt, it means to be self-destructive. We understand that the devil wants to destroy us, right? That's who he is. The devil's a destroyer. Why do we join him in destroying ourselves? Because we're rebels. Our hearts are full of rebellion. We are forsaking, not only corrupting, but we're forsaking. It says they have forsaken the Lord. That word to forsake, it means to abandon. We abandon God. And, and we're, listen, we're abandoning the one who loves us. The one who not only made us, but the one who knowing our rebellion and knowing our sin sent Jesus to die for our rebellion. Sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. Nobody will ever love you the way God loves you. Then why do we forsake him? By the way, he's the only one that can help us. And he will help us. And yet we forsake him. And we go beyond that. And provoke him. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. We not only sin, but we despise. We show contempt. You know, God could squash us. You know, God should squash us. For the contempt that we show. And then we turn, rebels turn. Unfortunately, rebels don't turn to God. Rebels turn away from God. He says they've turned away backwards. Listen, anytime you're turning away from God, you're going the wrong way. 
But that's what rebels do. I'm not going to read the verses following that. I read them earlier, but if you read on, he talks about because of this, we're sick, we're infected, we're barren, we've been overtaken by the enemy. All these things come into our lives because of who we are and what we do. But let me touch on one thing that he touches on a little bit later uh, here in chapter 1 that we read down in verse 11 where we see the, the hiding of a rebel. Because that's pretty easy to see when we, when we see the person that's out of church. We see the person that's, that's out there hanging out at the bars or, or, or out there running around cheating on their spouse or things like that. That's, that's pretty easy to see out there. But what we don't realize is that we've gotten real good about hiding our rebellion. And that's what he's talking about with the nation of Israel. Because we can hide our rebellion in our religion. We can hide our rebellion in sitting in a pew. We can hide our rebellion by serving in positions at churches. Listen, I know this is tough, but we got to deal with reality. we got to get real with God. That's what we need to do this. If this year is going to be different and be more God-honoring than the years before, we got to get real with God. And we've got to realize that a lot of what we do in religious service is just hiding our rebellion. He talks, first of all, about their empty sacrifices. There in verse 11, he says, To what purpose is your multi- the multitude of your sacrifices to me? This is God speaking. He knows, he sees the sacrifices. And sometimes we think because we put something in the offering plate or, 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 or things like that, you know, we, we think that, well, God must be pleased with what we're doing. And God sees it, but he's not always pleased. He said, I've had enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of the lambs or goats. He wants our heart. Empty sacrifices. See, what they were trying to do, they were bringing sacrifices to God to try to trick God to bless them. They were trying to trick God and continue in their sin because they still had their idols. They still had their 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 worship that was going on. They still had their high places. They weren't serving the Lord. They weren't obeying the Lord. They were just bringing sacrifices and throwing them at God, hoping that he would bless them despite their sin. They were substituting the sacrifice of service for repentance to God. When God was calling for repentance, empty sacrifices, empty worship, He goes on in verse 12 there and says, when you come to appear before me. And by the way, that's what worship is. Every time we worship the Lord, we're not singing songs. This is not about us. This is worshiping God. We're coming before him. And what is it that we're bringing before him? We're not just bringing words out of our mouth. We're bringing our hearts before him. And have our hearts been made right with him? Are our hearts deeply in love with him? Are we embracing things that dishonor him? And are they full of rebellion? That means empty worship. He goes on and says, Who has required this from your hand? To trample my courts. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination uh, unto me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of a sin is another words they were doing everything that the law said for them to do they would show up for it. he says but i cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates 
They are troubled to me, for I'm weary of bearing them. Why? Because that rebellion was still in their heart. Listen, if we're not worshiping from the heart, we're not really worshiping. Jesus said God is looking for worshipers, but not just people who will sing songs. He's looking for people who will worship him, what? In spirit and in truth. That we're coming from a heart that's in love with him. And that's where we really are. Yes, we're not perfect. And so we come before him and we confess that before him. And we get the cleansing that we need from him. And we ask for his assistance and his help in, in, in helping us to do right and helping us to overcome the sin in our lives. Their worship was meaningless because there was no heart in it. And what is the word he uses? An abomination. Do you realize we can show up and sing on Sunday mornings and God can say it's an abomination to him? If our heart is not in an empty worship, an empty praying, verse 15, he says, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear because your hands are full of blood. See, oftentimes we pray because we want a blessing and not because we want God. It's called empty praying. He talks about our hands being filled with blood. What does he mean by that? Well, there's several different things he could mean. He could mean that by the abuse of others, that we're claiming to worship God, but we're, we're running down others, we're slandering others, we're cutting others with our words, with our actions, with our deeds. And so we're, we're, we're sacrificing others. That could be the blood on our hands. It could be the blood of our own deeds. Just the fact that we're doing things that destroy our own lives and trying to come to God and ask God's blessing upon it. Or he could be referring to in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, he's going to talk a lot of detail about the one who came to redeem us from our sins. And he could mean that we're embracing the things that cause Jesus to bleed. We're clinging to the things that are already covered in his blood. We've got blood on our hands. And all that leads to empty praying. Now, I've beat up on us pretty good. (laughs) But the Word of God deals with reality. But understand this, the Word of God, not only the calling of God, not only deals with this reality, but the calling of God brings hope. And this is what I want you to leave understanding this, is that we need to get honest with where we are. But wherever you are, God brings hope. God brings grace. God brings victory. Because not only are rebels everywhere, but I want you to understand the reason you're here today, the reason God has not shut the doors of this church, the reason I'm standing before you preaching the word, the reason we're singing songs uh, today and that God has blessed this church is because he wants to redeem you. He wants to, 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 to give you the victory. He wants you to change your heart from those rebellious ways. He's call, his call is a calling to himself. It's a calling to forgiveness. He's not here to, to bring shame shame upon us. He's here to bring us hope. The truth is there is an answer. 
and his name is Jesus. Look down in verse 18 as he says, come now, let us reason together. Let's get together. Let's meet together. Though your skins are like, your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Notice the call of God here. God is the one that initiates it. They're not coming to him. We're not coming to him. We think we've got God fooled. We're not even, we've deceived ourselves to such a degree that we think we're okay and in the midst of that God says you're not okay but come to me and I'll make you okay what a loving gracious God he initiates this call it's an undeserved call it is based upon not anything that we have done but his love and his mercy matter of fact if we got what we deserve he wouldn't we would never have this call upon our lives but he's calling out come to me come to me it is a calling to himself. He's calling us. Notice he says, come now, let us reason together. Who are the us? It's you and God. It's me and God. He's calling on you and him to get together. It's not about the group as a whole. He's calling out to you as an individual. says, I don't care who else. Is, what is going on? I don't care if your spouse comes to me. He does care about them. Understand that. I don't, but he's saying, I'm calling out to you. All that matters is you and me. Let's get this right. It's a personal call, the call of God. Now notice the unreasonableness of God because he says, let us reason together. I'm so thankful that God's unreasonable. <laughs> Understand what I mean by this because this is ridiculous that God would call to us. Do you understand the ridiculousness of the grace of God? The unreasonableness of the grace, it does not make sense. I just laid it all out there of what we deserve. And yet here is this unreasonable God. He has a grace that is beyond reason. He has a mercy that is beyond reason. And we deserve the punishment and separation that is due us. Yet he wants us. He comes to us. He helps us. He talks with us. He wants us to engage with him. And he'll correct it. He'll change us. He'll put us where we need to be. What grace is here? Let me tell you something. We're all rebels, but rebels are just the type of people that God calls. He's calling out to, you look throughout scripture, Moses was a rebel. He had killed an Egyptian. That's why he's out in the wilderness. And yet God met him at the burning bush and said, Moses, I got something for you to do. I know what you've done, but I've got grace for you. And I've got grace for those people that are in bondage as well. He called out to Peter, Peter the one who was always putting his foot in my, Peter the one that would deny him three times, and yet he's, God, knowing that was going to happen, still said, Peter, I want you to follow after me. And then after all that was done, he didn't throw Peter away. He told Peter, he said, I want you to go feed my sheep. And he filled him with the Spirit of God, and he preached the greatest sermon that has ever been preached by a man. Called out to Paul, a man who was persecuting the church, put him in prison and putting him to death. And yet he met him on a road to Damascus. Not only called him to salvation, but said, I'm going to use you to spread the gospel throughout the world. He's always calling rebels. You're reading in our Bible reading plan, you're going to be reading 
I think this week on, about Levi, the tax collector who God called to follow him, a man that was despised by the, the Jews. And yet, Jesus said, you're exactly the type of guy I'm calling out to. And matter of fact, when he was criticized because he went to Levi's house and ate supper with him, they said, all you ever do is hang out with tax collectors and sinners. What did he say? He said, God calls not the righteous to repentance. God calls sinners to repentance. God's calling to you. Do you hear the call of God? It's the call of God. There's the unreasonableness of God. There's the guilt of man. He talks about though your sins are like scarlet. He goes on and says, though they are red like crimson. He's not talking about them being covered with the blood of Jesus here. He's talking about what we were talking about earlier, about the blood of sin being upon us, how we stand there with the blood, uh, our own blood on there because of the destructive things that we have done in our, our own lives. We stand there with the blood of others because we have abused and slandered and cut into everyone else around us that we might look better, that we might defend ourselves, that we might be something and, and look better to the people uh, around us. And we stand there with his blood upon us because we are embracing the very things that we died for. Listen, our sin is ugly. I know some of you love crimson red, but this crimson that he's talking about here, that crimson there on the cross is beautiful. This crimson that he's talking about here is ugly. He's talking about our sin. We are guilty of our sin. We stand there, but praise God for every bit of guilt that is within our lives. God has more than enough grace to cover it. Because he says, though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Pure, white, clean is what he's talking about here. That the stain is gone. That the sin is gone. God is the one who calls us to come to him, to reason together with him, to meet with him. And he will do a work in our hearts where he will remove the sin. Complete and total forgiveness. Forgiveness. Listen, we don't have to walk around in guilt and shame. Not because we're not guilty, not because we haven't done things that are shameful, because the blood of Jesus has removed it. He's forgiven. I stand here not perfect, not a, a sinless person. I stand here as a forgiven child of God. That's grace. What grace? And he has not only grace to remove our sin, but also to change our hearts. That's what we need. Rebels need a heart change that we might become servants of God. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.